Hello and welcome to Simply Technical. Back again with another episode on this. Uh, what, today's the Tuesday, the seventeenth, actually. So um, I'm Evan, joined again with Keaton here. It's another co-host. Um, I guess we could start off. Thank you for all the love on like shorts and stuff. We're not in the yeah, past. Yeah. We, didn't, we didn't really clip anything in the past. I mean, we did a, like a little bit, like very minuscule, but. Um, I recommended shorts to like some of my friends that do YouTube, like smaller channels, like ourselves. Like, dude, you got to hit YouTube shorts. Got to hit TikTok. Like, post something clickbaity, and they're they're up to like five hundred subscribers now. I think oh, so. Yeah. Went from twenty three or so to five hundred just from they post twice a week. I think they do like a stream and then they do YouTube shorts. So yeah, it's like it seems them. like they they really push the organic discovery on the on those shorts and TikToks much more than the videos themselves. Well, I feel like that's a fault in the algorithm, but yeah, I mean, we can get into it's that. Our, it's our own attention spans, honestly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of well, like we talked about in the first episode. Well, the algorithm, I know this isn't necessarily one of our topics, but the algorithm is like it, you benefit your channel benefits from higher retention time. Mm -hmm. So they're more likely to recommend you. Well, it's easier to get somebody's attention three seconds, five seconds. So yeah, uh, it's just probably easier to do better. That's not what we're talking about today, folks. Um, <laughs> so let's switch topics here. Uh, the big, the big thing that's been happening recently: um, gas stoves are on the out. I guess uh, natural <laughs> gas stoves. I don't know if uh, propane gas stoves are included in that, but the political climate. Everyone's attacking stoves or defending their gas stove um i've seen several tweets that say you're gonna you're gonna take my stove over my cold dead hand or from my cold dead hands um, <laughs> from my cold dead body yeah um and, come and take it uh, i just want to make the come and take it shirt the but gas, put a gas stove, stove. <laughs> um i think a lot of shoot i'm trademarking uh, that right now before we go I, that's that's money right there <laughs> uh, the the conspiracy theorist that I saw on Twitter um, was they want electric stoves so they can turn them off. Um, the thing about conspiracy theories is there's a little bit of truth in everything, but um, do they really want to turn off your stove? Like nobody benefits no, from like, turning off your why stove. Why does that matter? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess they want to starve us. The same. The, they said the same thing about like they want your electric or your heating system your ac hooked up to the the network so they can turn it off like they can just shut off your electricity like yeah uh, <laughs> yeah honestly and why can't they just shut off the the gas <laughs> yeah like they if you go to if you've ever bought a house you know that you have to like do a start stop with your utilities and just as easily as they turn it on they can turn it off like <laughs> i mean i guess if you're off the grid you know propane like that's a thing but yeah yeah I don't, these, these things are surface level and the conspiracy theorists go one, one level down when it's, there's nothing to go <laughs> down to. Yeah. It's, not, it's just not that deep. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and, oh, go ahead. No, I, 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 I don't know much about this. It just seems like it's become a dumb culture war issue now. Always like everything does now. Uh, where yeah. everyone is already segregated on their personal sides. Well, they have to see what their representative said so they can yeah. do that. So, um, 
I don't know. I consider myself, I'm a libertarian. I consider myself, I mean, I lean towards the right, obviously. Um, but this is an L to just defend, like, I, I guess the reason why that the studies are coming out that I guess natural gas burning or methane burning in your house can contribute to asthma. And I've even seen like releases more carbon dioxide, which can affect your brain function. Um, those seem somewhat oh, serious. You are so stupid. Um, well, that was one of the things that, you know, political wars back and forth. Yeah. So one of the politicians <laughs> said, um, you can pry it from my cold dead hands. And they said, this is such a stupid tweet. You must be using your natural gas stove too much. Like, <laughs> That's amazing. Like, they just set each other up. Yeah. Hey, I, sign, I the, the sign this bill. Sign yeah, this bill so that I can roast on Twitter. In the back are like, uh, they act like they hate each other on Twitter, but they're like, oh, this will be perfect engagement. Let's, let's do this. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, Hey, I'll sign your bill if you let me roast you on Twitter, so I can. Yeah. Get some, you know, <laughs> the so dumb. Yeah, I had a tweet the other day that was like, it was just about like complaining that the reason politics sucks so much is because every single politician seems like they're trying to run for president. Uh, they they've made their like even if they have a really individualized like job, like I don't know the state treasury or something. It, and Oklahoma, there. I, I actually don't know who this is in Oklahoma. I'm just this is just a random one out of hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But is trying to be is tweeting out about culture war issues, like oh, I, as if they want to run for president. Like you, shut up and do your do your freaking job. <laughs> uh, maybe they're not fulfilled in their job. Just like <laughs> <laughs> they don't have enough job to do. Yeah, they're, they're they have to cry out like that to. Yeah. Uh, to be important uh i don't know i think a lot of us look at me politics and yeah and i don't know if like is that position appointed or is that elected um i don't know it's probably appointed <laughs> like yeah but okay so so really though i don't know much about this gas stove thing i it seems like some people say it has some health issues maybe but like are they actually trying to ban it or is it just like you know somebody some like democrat tweeted or had like a tiny bill in a really local community like say in some town and was like okay we're going to ban gas stoves and then it's like holy crap this is a huge movement is it actually really like like a legitimate thing or is it just a ginned up attention issue that i feel like like everything else is nowadays um, I'm going to go more with the latter, actually. Really? I mean, it's a, it's a little bit, I think a little bit has to do with climate change, um, or climate issues, uh, that it's just another, you know, less than 1% issue that we're going to make into a bigger deal. Um, yeah, I mean, I was looking at some stats earlier, majority of natural gas stoves are in California, um, which are, their grid can't handle anymore. They can't handle the electric stoves anyways. So um the rolling blackouts now you can't cook um i could definitely see them being banned there uh, yeah because yeah. They, ban, they ban everything but um, how does this banning process work are they gonna pay for new stoves <laughs> so that was something i saw i think it was an aoc tweet and somebody commented was like 
well, do I get federal funding for banning this? And they're like, <laughs> we're looking into that. So like now they're going to give send people four hundred dollar checks probably to get a natural or electric stove, which if they actually ban them, your electric stove is going to be like two thousand dollars. Yeah. I don't know how much a stove actually is, but I don't know. I don't know. I've never bought one. Um, Let's see. This will be a good check. Lowe's um, electric stove. I mean, it's just just another thing to like. $800. $800. Incremental progress uh, done by government again. We, we used to we used to uh, do Manhattan projects and put people on the moon. Now now we ban gas stoves <laughs> and put in electric ones. <laughs> um, I've discussed this with somebody earlier. The um the biggest so people what the good thing that came out of the COVID lockdown. And there's not many. Um, the, one of the good things that came out of the COVID lockdown is that nobody was driving. Yeah, yeah, it actually decreased. everybody's working from home or not yeah. working at all. And guess what? Gas prices came down, and we produced a lot less pollution. Yep. So, I've, yeah, I've been saying. I think me and you talked about this actually. Now, now that I think about it, is I'm shocked that there hasn't been like a climate movement to push for remote work everywhere like it really did it really was insane i remember it was like a meme remember at the beginning of covid when it was like nature's is returned is is healing yeah (laughs) yeah nature is healing (laughs) and everyone was posting these dumb pictures like i i think i did one in the oklahoma city river walk where where i had put like a dolphin in the in the (laughs) thing (laughs) i mean it's a good i mean it's a uh it's a legitimate argument. I mean, a little bit of tax incentive for some businesses to let them work, let more people work from home would be an easy incentive. Um, we would save a ton of money. I now granted oil and gas might not do so hot. So luckily Oklahoma's <laughs> diverse. <screwed. laughs> We've diversified quite a bit. Um, software and uh, aerospace defense contractors are here. Yeah. So like, and now they're trying to do, they're trying really hard to get the biotech people in here so they yeah. should pay me and electrical me cars yeah. there's an electric the <laughs> yeah, ugliest, yeah the, ele- the ugliest, ugliest electric <laughs> <laughs> canoe <laughs> yeah the ugliest uh electric car manufacturers come in oklahoma city apparently so um <laughs> have, well, they even, have they even sold a car like <laughs> I, I don't know but we i think we gave them stupid amounts of money to move yeah here. um and nobody's gonna buy them so no they're hideous so I'll, I'll put it in the in the editing i'll add a picture of the <laughs> The cars, <laughs> the uh, and so like, I also saw something today. I guess they had some type of conference recently, or maybe today or yesterday, about climate change. And somebody said, "Well, if they really cared about climate change, they would do a Zoom meeting." Like, come on, guys, how <laughs> how out of touch are you? Are you do you really think people aren't going to notice that you're flying halfway around the world on your private jet to talk about yeah, climate change? Yeah, Um, I mean, I guess. Maybe some of the rich guys have electric planes, even though that's not really a thing. Um, <laughs> I don't think that would work. <laughs> <laughs> well, just put a solar panel on top of your plane and fly. There you go. Um, I'm an engineer now. Trademark that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, I don't know. They're just so... It's easy to poke up and say they're out of touch. Um, but it really is true. Like, how insane are these people that nobody's going to notice? Maybe they know that we're not going to do anything about it. So... 
yeah I don't know. that's my hot take i guess too <laughs> yeah i'd agree i mean yeah back to the stoves thing it's just a it just seems like showmanship it's incremental progress quote unquote if it's actually progress i don't know like you said i think that you know uh darwinism will sort itself out the if if well, gas stoves really cause all this health harm then who's gonna want to have a gas stove i don't really notice a difference between the two i've had both don't really care uh, either way uh it's hard i never to even a... thought i never even thought of, thought about a difference between them honestly it was just kind of like oh oh this one has a gas this one's gas and this one's electric it doesn't matter to me i know that gas stoves are a lot more efficient um oh really well um fun fact for anybody out there that electric uh, heating using electricity is probably one of the most inefficient things we we do today um like you burn coal to produce heat to turn a turbine that electricity runs down the line and comes to your house where you use it to heat up things nice um the amount of losses and everything just i mean you should look at your electric electricity bill if you had gas uh furnace versus electric um like yeah. heat strips and stuff and maybe it's just that like gas is so much cheaper but you'll you'll save not only so much money but like i said efficiency is just i i wish i had like the actual formulas for it but yeah it is we need to do crazy. like an ep episode on energy because i think that you could talk for a while about that and then uh because that's something i'm very interested in learning more about because <laughs> so i don't know anything about how i'm even you know how my electricity is even working right now <laughs> um well i'm not an electrical engineer but yeah i, I kind of understand a lot of that stuff that yeah it's just electricity is just not a good way to heat things yeah um there's i mean most cars obviously with electric cars it's different but like cars you run air across hot surfaces rather than use electric strips like it, it's just yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I, I'm actually gonna look up the stats. Um, so, a gas stove is less or more efficient than a an electric yes. stove. Yeah. yeah uh, so you'll save money. Let's see. Yeah, it says it can be. It's usually around thirty percent more inefficient, so mm -hmm. less efficient um, for electric heat versus a gas heat. Yeah. And it's just the nature of the beast. Um, it, it, yeah, there, I don't. I can't talk too much about it right now, just because of like, I haven't done a ton of research. But we need the, a, the, the nuclear efficiency nuclear is just crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Nuclear um, stoves. Nuclear stoves. <laughs> um, we're gonna get weaponized uranium, and we're gonna send it to everyone's <laughs> home. <laughs> Which that could be another, like you said, another podcast topic of. Um, our nuclear subs obviously are military. They use military grade uranium. Our um, nuclear facilities here that produce energy, our nuclear power plants, though they don't use nu uh, nu military. Is it military grade or military? I think it's military grade um, uranium. And so their systems are like four times, five times as big. <laughs> Obviously, really? for a sub, like you have to have, like, obviously, it can't be. I mean, they, they fill up giant rooms full of these nuclear reactors. And, 
uh, on a sub, you obviously can't have something that big. So they use something a lot smaller. Yeah. Um, and then they use a mili- a what, what did I call it? Um, military grade uranium. It's it's just like a lot higher. Um, so it's yeah. I could go on about that, but we we just hit the hour mark. We got we got to we got to shill uh, a nuclear energy because I'm a major bag holder in uh, uranium stocks. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. I think can we. I think we can synthesize uranium, can't we? I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, urine, uranium. Um, I think we can. Well, then I better sell those uranium miners then. Shoot. Yeah. I think it's uh, it's mined in uh, Wakanda. Wakanda. <laughs> <laughs> I watched a TikTok uh, this afternoon about Gen Z and, you know, those pesky Gen Zers and millennials. Um, it's called quiet quitting. I don't, have you ever heard that term before, Keaton? I haven't. I mean, I think I heard I heard the TikTok or I watched the TikTok and I got like through like halfway. But I think we kind of talked about it before and the idea of it is, is pretty interesting. And I think it's become quite the controversial topic in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, so uh, for those at home that don't know quiet quitting, um, so Gen Z, I guess anyone born after 95 or, you know, uh, some people include 95, uh, are switching jobs or quitting their jobs because their manager or owner, um, immediately immediate supervisor is not in touch with them, um, doesn't have the same problems they have, and their workplace sucks in their opinion. Um, I so they're some, unhappy with their job, I guess. Yeah. They just hop and, jobs. And so they hop jobs. Um, they, I mean, this was a topic that was for millennials. I remember seeing articles of why millennials are ruining the food industry or why millennials are ruining um, their place of work. And it's just perpetuated into, well, now it's Gen Z's fault. Um, <laughs> so, Millennials are usually 23 to 38 or so um, around that age. So anyone younger than that, I guess. Um, or so that was in 2019. Um, th- uh, I guess 41 into 25 um, around those ages. So, yeah, I also was looking at and I think like the quiet quitting is not just actually quitting your job, but it kind of like also it can also be classified as not really trying hard like doing the bare minimum to get by so you you're either you know leaving your job secretly on the side or doing the very bare minimum uh Uh, and so yeah they're like given they're not giving two weeks notice um and one of the reasons why they're not giving two weeks notice is because well my job would fire me tomorrow if i was like if they were going to fire me they wouldn't give me two weeks so why should i give them two weeks (laughs) which has i guess a little bit of merit but you're also like burning your bridge you'll never like if you give two weeks or don't give two weeks you're probably never going to work there again and for you that might actually be a good thing but uh that was one of the other things on quiet quitting Mm -hmm. but i mean people switch jobs all the time i mean i don't know why is it that the boomer generation the older generation just never quit oh no yeah i'm very convinced that the older generation stayed at their job they were very loyal to their to their companies and 
they really try to like work the hierarchy to get up to the higher positions. But quite frankly, I mean, my opinion is it's not worth it. Like to do, to, it, you make way more money hopping from job to job. <laughs> That's just like the it, it, you can see it in certain uh, studies. It shows that you know if you stay a job, if you leave a job every like couple of years, then those people end up making way more in salary than the uh, ones who stay, you know, of course there's going to be the, the very few who end up making, making partner at their company and making millions, but those are, those are far few, few between. between. Yeah. Well, and uh, as somebody that works for a defense contractor, it's very common. People will stay at one company for two years and then switch to the, the neighboring company, stay there mm -hmm. for two years and switch back. And I guess the first question I would ask you, Keaton, is do you think that it's Gen Z's fault or these employees' faults, or do you think it's the company's fault? Well, I think it's the company's fault personally. I mean, uh, I, I guess generations and people have their own issues as well. So I won't fully blame it on the companies, but the companies have a lot of a lot of play in this. If, if you want your employees to stay and to work hard, you pay them more than you pay a new employee. If, if, if I'm working at a job and I've been there for three years and let's say I make $50,000 and someone comes in who has three years of experience somewhere else and comes in making 75. So we're both at the same level. Uh, I'm not going to be happy. That's not how, that's not how companies should be running. And, and unfortunately that is how it's, how it's working because people just don't negotiate their salary. But on the other side, I do, I do see this sort of argument that, you know, people don't really work the work ethic isn't there. We kind of, all of our, the younger people just kind of like a job is a job. Like we're not, if you don't have any sort of like skin in the game, then why go above and beyond outside of pride? And I don't think, I don't think the younger generations like ours tend to necessarily have that maybe as, as common as like the older generations do. So I think older generations just cannot understand uh, why this sort of movement is, is going on or gaining steam. Uh, so I started watching Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, two years ago, three years ago. And he had a quote once, or, you know, talking on a podcast, or, you know, he's always releasing content. And he talked about how he's the owner of this company. Why would I expect my employee to work harder than me when <laughs> I own the company and they don't own, they're just getting a paycheck? Like, why yeah. would they care? Yeah, uh, yeah, and so he said this a couple years ago, so maybe it happened to him, and he's kind of on the forefront of it. But I also, I, I think it is mainly companies. Uh, I mean, obviously, like you said, those can go hand in hand. But as a boring person, um, I think companies put far too much into like people playing games at work and stuff. I don't know, maybe I'm yeah, you see out. those you know you see those TikToks where it's like a day of my life and they work at a they're working Metaverse, at Twitter. It's like yeah. it's like, oh, first I first I uh come into work and I get my Blackberry mojito and then I go up and I work I code for 30 minutes and then I go to the quiet room I just because I need to really de-stress. Uh, <laughs> just like <laughs> Yeah. Uh I saw one on Twitter about the metaverse today, actually. And uh, <laughs> 
I didn't see anyone do any work. So they didn't, they in the life of my job and they didn't do any work. Um, <laughs> it, it, the bigger the companies get, the less work there needs. I mean, I mean, Elon showed it this, this, uh, like last two months with uh, Twitter, they have fired up like 70% of their employees and Twitter is not dead much to the chagrin of, uh, everyone during November. I mean, when people were like declaring it dead, like November 18th or something, it was, a. Uh, all the people were like, goodbye, Twitter, goodbye, Twitter. That was the number one. Like, people, it, it mostly it was a joke. It was mostly a meme. But there was, like, people, like, giving, like, a heartfelt notes saying, like, oh, this has been such a great platform. Uh, I hate to see it go. <laughs> like, you idiots. <laughs> it's code. It runs. It's it's fine. <laughs> you don't do need. They think this, do they think somebody's peddling on the server behind yeah. the, <laughs> We, we eliminated 70% of our people on the bikes, so they can't, can't power the servers anymore. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I, you're right. The, the bigger the company, the less work that gets done by each person. Um, but like at my job, they'll do like, oh, let's play a game, you know, row versus row, like, you know, like cubicle row versus cubicle row. <laughs> it's like, I want to work. Like yeah, I, I want to be here for, I'm here for the paycheck. Not the... <laughs> I want to be fulfilled. Like, and I think that's probably the one thing that's lacking from a lot of jobs is like, people genuinely feeling fulfilled from their, from their work. Yeah, um, yeah. And that, I mean, that like, is like super serious. Cause I mean, you spend what 24, there's 24 hours in a day, you know, eight spend hours. Third so of your, third of your life basically at work. <laughs> yeah. So like you need to feel, you need to feel fulfilled, feel, feel fulfilled. Um, and I remember. I think. I think it was said in our group chat once that uh, I think it was somebody put on Twitter, and I think we sent it to each other. Of like, I don't feel fulfilled at my job, and they're like, "What do you do?" And he's like, "I sit at a desk for for eight hours." And they go, "Yeah, no wonder we for generations for millennial uh, we hunted and gathered and got dopamine releases from you know." actually accomplishing things accomplishing things instead of sitting at a computer or playing board games with your coworkers like i don't yeah, know yeah yeah i mean it's also just a a unfortunate consequence of the more specialized companies and jobs become the less like i guess on in a way it kind of becomes a little bit more disconnected from the greater purpose of the company you know you might just be the guy who uh, keeps the keeps this uh, I don't know keeps people running so I, an IT guy at a big company you just keep people going whenever they have problems and it's, you just kind of become disconnected a little bit because you're just sort of in your own space versus someone who like like we said earlier people who found companies who start companies uh, they all they're generalists like they're going to be doing multiple things gen- usually uh, and I think that gives you a little bit more purpose because you get to see what you're really creating in a way uh, that most people don't. I mean, how many things that Twitter, Twitter didn't ship anything over the last, hardly anything over the last like 10 years. How many things, there's probably so many things that uh, the programmers built and had ready to go and then went through all these checks and balances and decided, ah, we're not going to ship that. So basically you did, you worked all this time and it was for nothing. So I think that happens a lot in in the real world. So we don't really see the fruits of our labors a lot. And I think that kind of leads to the meaning of a little bit of a meaning crisis. But then, like we said earlier, you don't really have skin in the game. It's uh, 
why, when the incentives aren't aligned for you to improve the company, then why would you care? <laughs> really, I mean, it, it's it doesn't really um, make. I mean, that's why people who work in startups, startups and VCs are so obsessed with uh, making sure the distribution of the shares is done well enough to in, align the incentives of everyone to maximize the uh, profitability or the um, worth of the company. And we don't really get that very often, especially working in big companies. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, uh, the skin in the game, I think is super important, but like, you can't get that. I mean, obviously you have to have worker bees and that might sound, um, kind of rude, I guess, or, um, not human like, but I mean, you have to have somebody doing the jobs, like the day to day, the ins and outs. And I'm not for sure really how you reward those people. I mean, you can't just give everybody a share of the company uh, and say yeah. work harder, and here you'll get a big raise because you can sell your your stock. Um, it's it's a fine line, but switching companies, I think in the long run for the consumer, for the worker, I guess not necessarily consumer, but for the worker, I mean, is far outweighs the, the cons. Um, you one earn more money mm-hmm. two, you get to experience something new. Yeah. Yep. Uh, three, you get it like, you know, usually that comes with like a, maybe a title change or a title increase. Um, and that's what you need to one or more money and usually be uh, involved in more things in yeah. general. Yeah. Um, one of the things I liked about my last job was I got to work on almost whatever I wanted. Um, it was a small um, manufacturing plant and there was, I think three engineers and two of them were designers or I was one of the two that was designing and one was industrial. So like you have two people that are designing the face of, this company Mm -hmm. and i mean you feel fulfilled when you produce something cool um and it does well and you know other people are working hard and really are embracing your ideas or they bring you ideas to design and you're like and they get excited that you design something that they like their their vision just came into full life yeah yeah it's like creativity i mean i feel like that's the ultimate sort of thing that makes us human is is creating so there's you know there's artists who create art there's musicians who create music there's engineers that create things or there's like a scientist who creates new knowledge finds new knowledge like that's like the most human thing and i think the closer you are to sort of creating in a job uh the more fulfilled you'll be and as long as you see that full process and i just think most jobs aren't really like that anymore yeah. Um, well, yeah, I was going to say maybe not software, but software, you get to see like your designs come to full life. Yeah, yeah, you do. If, especially if you're in a smaller place. I mean, you really get to see it. I, I I don't know what it would be like to work in a bigger place, but I imagine that it gets really like down to small, small portions of managing the software. The bigger the code base gets to where you kind of see less than it's more like optimization. Are we going to optimize the speed? It's not really, it's incremental instead of monumental change. (laughs) Yeah. And 
those monumental uh, thinking back at my last job i haven't been i've only been at my new job for six months five five months or so um so i haven't got to experience this yet but like monumental changes that you're speaking of is is cool and the small changes like in software even in just regular um physical engineering i guess is the right term mm-hmm. um where you're like designing real things like um in life in in life i guess instead of a software based yeah. um uh, is like the small incremental changes like Necessary. i know as an engineer go ahead no yeah yeah, yeah. keep it going uh as far as like small changes you like okay oh there was a, like a first software example oh there was a bug um, when I click this, the go button five times, uh, we got a bug. Well, okay, I fixed that. That's not really cool. Um, but hey, I, you know, I designed a new button on here that um, can take you to this new tool or something. You know, that's like, I don't know, seeing the change, a small change just doesn't release that type of neurological hit, I guess, that yeah, yeah. monumental changes do. Yeah. I just, I think, uh, I don't know. I would love to see the stats on how many people, how, what percent of people create their own companies now as compared to previous generations. I'm, I'm guessing it's down, but I don't really know. And I wonder if that is part of sort of the fulfillment issue is we don't, we don't really take risks anymore, especially our generation. Our generation is very anti-risk and a lot of that is because of the financial situation there's a big difference between the financial situation of people of the boomers that were our age versus people are that are our age but uh that aside i think that that uh we kind of accumulate options rather than committing to something hardcore and taking a taking a sort of leap of faith and building something ourselves or discovering something ourselves and I think that sort of sort of uh, causes a bit of a meaning crisis in work, and and, and maybe that. I mean, why, why would people care about their jobs if they don't feel like they're contributing, doing something for society in a way? In I way. would actually argue to your previous point that I'd say we're actually riskier. Riskier, really? But I wouldn't say that. There's probably less of us creating. But the people mm-hmm. that are, are doing things are riskier. Um, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily have like the huge like data for that. I don't know. Yeah. I just, and maybe it's just the type of content that I consume online mm-hmm. um, generates that. But I, I see people all the time um, creating new things or um, trying to create a company to do something even though it's already done, they could be the next best company, you know, uh, a second place company that does the same thing as somebody else, but, you know, as a competitor. Um, I just, I feel like it's becoming more widespread that people at 25 have plenty of time to make mistakes. People at less than 30 have plenty of time to make mistakes. And, they're not as afraid to make mistakes because they can fall back to like a parent or something like, Oh, I, my company failed. I'll just move in with my, my parents. Um, now granted it's harder to start stuff because of how many things there are already, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I, I could be way off 
That's yeah, just I, mean, I, don't think, I don't think I'm based. I'm not basing mine in statistics either. I just think that we, a, a general, my general like thesis on people, on people's purpose and everything is that we don't really believe that we can do like world changing things anymore. We think everything is a little bit too complex. Uh, I mean, back, we kind of talked about this in the first episode, but back in like, if you took the, between the forties and the seventies, like you had the nuclear bomb being made, you had people going to space. I mean, right before that you had commercial flight becoming available, like things that sounded impossible. You even had like, like a teacher in San Francisco completely like redesigning, like believing that they could redesign all this stuff in the Bay area, like basically engineering. I don't exa know exactly what they were trying to do, but the plans ended up not, not going through, but just the idea that someone could think that big is kind of unheard of now. Everything's credentialed now. Every You have to be, you have to go to four years of college and then you got to go get, get a master's. And maybe then you can talk about these, maybe then you can, you know, join uh make a startup or try to join engineer something and even even at that point it's probably even too complex i think uh but that, that sort of to me that's like the general society idea is like everything is too complex to do anything big and new and so we don't really risk it and instead we accumulate options by by picking up or getting more degrees maybe this, maybe this master's degree will help me Maybe maybe this PhD program will help me get there. Um, I mean, I'm in PhD program myself. It's, it's like, is this ever end? <laughs> uh, it, why don't why why is everything why does everything require a degree now? And why do we always have? Who's going to take the risk to say maybe maybe I could try some smart college age kids and say, hey, skip the degree, like let's start this company and see how it goes. I mean, if we, it doesn't work out, then you can go to college after this. You just miss a couple of years. And I just don't really think that is something that happens. Uh, we're kind of babied all the way through. <laughs> I mean, we, people, we don't even have, we don't have kids anymore. Like our parents generation, that's, that's actually the perfect example of risk. <laughs> like how, what's riskier to a career or life status than having children? Uh, not very many things. And you can see that, that our generation is having way less kids. They're having them way later. And I think that's just because we have, we feel like we have to accumulate these options. And maybe if I have a kid right now, then it's probably going to ruin my potential career that who knows if it actually will exist in the future. So I think we're just kind of uh, maybe that's, that's, that's kind of my idea on why I feel like our generation's risk averse. I don't have, like I said, don't have any data, uh, between the two generations, I think the perfect data set would be what percent started a company that, let's just say, hit like a million in revenue. Because I, I, I think people start more companies now because they can start YouTube channels, like less <laughs> extremely risk averse companies, <laughs> you know. Uh, um, but yeah, and I was going to add to that of like, yeah, they're starting like YouTube they're starting, you know, Twitch. They're starting these um, podcasts, um, but they're also doing like drop shipping. I think drop shipping has become so <laughs> saturated, yeah. and all those people are 
are creating obviously like LLCs and, and different uh, like corporations yeah. um, to do this. And, but I don't know that they're making, obviously the top dogs are making tons of money, but mm-hmm. I think your average person that's drop shipping is probably only making like 50, 60 K, yeah, but I think the you're also working from home. So yeah. Oh, oh, that's also a big one. Let me talk about it in just a second. I, I think the drop shippers make more money from selling their, how to make money drop shipping course than they do actually drop shipping. <laughs> well, I, I've heard it before, and and I'll repeat it that all those I make an extra five thousand dollars a month working from home. What do you do? And uh, every single one is drop shipping. A hundred hundred percent of those are drop shipping. Yeah, if someone's trying to sell you a course on how to get rich. That's how they're getting rich. They're not actually rich. <laughs> that's the the unfortunate truth. I think. Yeah, and dropshipping is, I feel like, a short-term um, wealth, and wealth is obviously relative. Um, a short-term wealth, and then like you get into real estate, those other people are telling you how to do real estate mm-hmm. um, or telling you how they did real estate, and it might not work for you. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. But, um, I guess on the working from home point, when you, I also think that's a big factor in the quiet quitting thing is like like i actually i'm fully on board with working from home i think that can be a really good uh setup for most people but there's definitely some people where it's like well i don't have to i'm at home i can be distracted i can do other things all day i can do the bare minimum and just get by no one sees and i think that's part of this uh, a factor in this whole trend for the quiet quitting movement um and not to mention, I mean, at the same time, during 2020, there was that big movement where people were getting like four or five like high tech uh, jobs <laughs> all working remotely. And they were like bringing in like three million dollars a year. And and I saw I remember seeing this Reddit thread where this guy was like, just got a just got a four hundred thousand dollar bonus for my Amazon job that I that I spend 10, 10 hours a week working on. <laughs> he said, I'm also employed by Google. And I think one other like mid-tier tech firm, but like that these uh, it just shows how much work there's really not to be done or like overstaffed. <laughs> and I think that how overstaffed or how like little hours actually goes into a job tells you how fulfilled you're going to be. I mean, if you're not, yeah, yeah, definitely if you're not doing anything or you're only working 10 hours a week, it's not fulfilling. Yep. Um, and I mean, good. No, you keep going. Keep going. Um, I was going to say like, and I think a majority of those big companies, it's like that. The, and I don't care where you work. If you're only working 10 hours, find another job. You are, like I said, you're not fulfilled. Um, which, I, th- I think I read some stat that working from home is actually like increases productivity like five, 10%, um, maybe more, but like more people should be working from home. There's less distractions. I know the argument is that there's yeah. more distractions, yeah, but there's actually less like the amount of people that walk by my desk and try to talk to other people and then get, I get sucked into the conversation is unreal. Yeah. I can definitely see that. And, and then also, also you save. I mean, it's just good for society because we don't have the deal with commutes. 
so that's that's a big plus on working from home. But I mean, I've definitely seen like people who will just sit on the couch all day, like like they work from home and then they'll send you like Snapchats or something and they have the TV <laughs> on in the, in the background. I'm like, okay, <laughs> is that really like a real hardcore job? <laughs> it can't be. No. Which I know you talked about it earlier about how um, people, they aren't, they're going to college. I I lost, I lost it. Um, (laughs) I was going to blame people like, uh, I was going to blame people for it. Say like, well, I think it's because of this, uh, uh, this generation, but I I lost it. So I think, I think a lot of it is just because, uh, well, number one, it's impossible to get a job without a degree at this point, which is completely illogical because you learn most of the job on the job. And then number two, I think, it allows people a level of comfort to feel like they have options to jump from job to job. And there's nothing wrong with options, but I think just constantly accumulating options for your whole life without committing to something meaningful will leave you a little bit empty feeling. (laughs) And it definitely doesn't really improve society very much when we're all just kind of like zombies and just, you know, trying to de-risk absolutely completely de-risk every aspect of our lives um the this might be kind of controversial um i think feminism is one of the reasons why we are having less kids and people are um how do i say this um and we don't have to touch on this, uh, but they're having kids later in life and people aren't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it definitely, cause what, well, I don't even know how many, what percent of women were in the workforce in the sixties and well, more 50s women, versus... more women nowadays are getting degrees more than men. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And so obviously men can't have kids. So, more men are working blue collar jobs. More women are um, becoming older when they enter the workforce, if they're entering the workforce at all, I guess. Um, and so it's just like, maybe that's just a societal thing, but. Well, it's like um, an impossible choice. How it's, you know, have kids or, or the career. And I think currently our society values career more than having kids. I don't really know why. Like, I can't really imagine anything more fulfilling than raising great children. But that just seems to be like where where our societies landed on their current values. I don't think that's gonna gonna sustain, honestly. Um, but I don't really have. I haven't really thought too much about this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said, it's it's. It's kind of controversial. I mean, I know that it's, yeah. I'll keep going. Just, um, <laughs> I mean, women, and, and maybe it's a little bit to do with the economy. Um, as far as the economy goes, like things are more expensive now than they were um, when majority of people were working. You know, one person was working, one person was thinking with the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that has to attribute a little bit to it. Um, 
the other aspect is is that bad news travels a lot quicker than good news. And in the past, I think that men were leaving women at a much higher rate than they are now. And women got burned in that because they couldn't they couldn't uh, find a job. They weren't educated or they didn't, you know, mm-hmm. um, couldn't find a high paying job. And so they got burned in that aspect. And then that bad news traveled to all these other people. And now they're like, well, I have to get a job or I have to get an education to get a good paying job um, because I don't want to get burned. And obviously that's a horrible outlook outlook on uh, dating and marriage. Yeah, is but like, it's a true one. It's a, it's an unfortunate truth. Um, I think that's actually sw- that's the stats say that that switched now that women leave more than than men do. But yeah, um, that's I think that's a definitely a contributing factor to having kids later. Um, yeah, it I, seemed I, like I, it's uh, definitely not it's definitely not mono um, or focused on one thing. It's yeah. definitely multifaceted. Yeah, it seemed like the pendulum, you know, swings and maybe it's swung too far uh, this time around. And um I don't know. I, I just, yeah, I haven't really thought too much about like what role does later or career play in the child childbirth crisis, but I think it's a big one. And I just wonder how much uh, meaning we're kind of losing out on. And I feel like maybe people should be placing more value on parenthood than we do at the current, current trajectory. Yeah, and another thing, I mean, this kind of goes on to what I was saying earlier. Uh, you know, a single single parent pa- a household, I'm sure, plays a lot in when you're raising your kids. Of um, you have to take care of yourself or take care of your siblings um, because only one parent was working. Like you only had. You, I'm not explaining that super well. Um, one parent was working. Oh, yeah. There's parents are separated. One that your parent that's still with you or still, you know, main custody is working all the time. Well, you know, not as much attention for the kids um, can play a fact in that. I, I, like I said, I'm not doing a great job of explaining that, but. Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure the biggest success indicator is whether or not you were raised in a single parent household actually, or uh, maybe that's the biggest success indicator for an individual. Are they married or single? And um it's the family stable. I, yeah, I think I think it's if you were raised in a two-parent household, you your chances of success have drastically increased as compared to someone who was raised in a single-family household. Uh, and like you said, it's because someone in a single a single parent has to juggle so much; they have to make the money and they have to take care of the kids. And how much time can they possibly be putting into taking care of their kids in that sort of state? <laughs> Well, I mean, you have, if you have multiple, like if you're a kid and you have multiple different things you're involved with, you know, if it's mm-hmm. a sport or, um, you know, extracurriculars, like there's no way that a single parent can, can juggle all those things. Yeah. Um, yeah. What is the, somebody, it might've been Ben Shapiro. Um, so that like, the, there's three indicators to if you're going to be in poverty or not. One of them is um, your graduate high school. Yeah. The second one is you get married before you have kids. <laughs> uh, and I'm not sure the third one. I think the third one was like had to do with saving. Um, 
I mean, I have to get married before you have kids. That's like the biggest one. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it, yeah. I, uh, now that I said the earlier thing about single parent household, I think that's the the real stat is uh, having kids, making sure the comparison between someone people who have kids outside of wedlock versus in marriage is is drastically different. Well, and I know this is we've gone really far off topic, but um, <laughs> the people are getting married less now than they ever have been. Um, yeah, and I'll argue that men have gotten lazier, um, and women have focused more on their career, which has made women not as interested in most men. And mm-hmm. you know, like. I would say most women, your average woman is not interested in any of your average guys. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, guys can fall in love with women, um, you know, average, average women, but it's hard for an, an average woman to fall in love with an average man. Interesting. So, so why do you say that? I don't know. Um, most women i say most women yeah generally women want a man that earns more money than them um that's just generally how it is dang i'm and i'm an outlier right now and like i said yeah it's general it's general um and so if you're a woman and you're listening to this you think you're offended by this i'm generally speaking i'm not specifically talking to you um that if a woman out out earns a man it's a lot more difficult uh on their relationship mm-hmm. women typically want men that earn the same if not 20 percent more um and so your average guy i mean the average income in the united states is what thirty-five thousand to fifty thousand dollars a year um so if your you know your bell curve uh if your average is in the middle well average women if money money is a very big determining factor because it that shows your ambition that shows your um, competency, mm-hmm. um, how well you can provide and your, if your averages are the same, your average woman is going to be looking for a higher on the bell curve than on the average. So by definition, yeah, you, I mean, you would have to earn more than her, you know, like your averageness, your averages don't, don't equal. But in a way, I guess marriage, I mean, you could say the same thing about like attractiveness. And I think that like marriage was kind of a uh, eve leveling of that playing field in a way. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I'm kind of out of my own, my yeah. own scope. Um, but I think men are, like I said, men are lazier, but men are also a lot more scared to get married. Um they hear just like women hear the stories of getting left men are hearing the stories of getting left and they're hearing the horror stories of well i make fifty thousand dollars a year we had two kids she took half and now i have to pay child support yeah like you hear these horror stories like that and you're like man (laughs) it doesn't sound worth it to me yeah yeah but like i said earlier i think this is just another symptom of our risk avoidance uh this is like actually another prime example is we just accumulate options like we don't want to commit we don't want to commit because <laughs> you don't want to get 
you don't want to get burnt. But in the end, uh, uh, a smart commitment, both in business or relationship, is going to pay off far more than just accumulating options and avoiding risk. Um, but like I said, a smart commitment. Uh, you can make a lot of people make stupid commitments, uh, especially in relationships. They don't pay. We don't really pay attention to like red flags, and we kind of just let things slide. Um, but I think that, like I said, I think the symptom of our times is we don't commit. We avoid. We avoid risk at all costs, and because of that, we don't. We don't get the extreme upside of a high risk endeavor. Well, and yeah, I mean, I hope that more people realize that taking, like, especially a young person, um, anyone, I mean, under fifty. I mean, you can still, um, as far as business, under fifty um, relationship, you know, under thirty-five, under forty, um, you can still take risks. I mean. What's going to happen? You're going to take a risk and what's you're going to be three years down the road and you can go back to your old job or go back to a job that's similar. Like, yeah, yeah. The risk is really not there. I th- And maybe a lot of it has to do with like social embarrassment. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's more public now, but it's true. <laughs> it's like, oh, I saw you um, quit your business. Yeah, it wasn't doing all that well. Oh, well, you're just a horrible business person. I thought it was a good idea. You know, like that's that's definitely a huge factor. Yeah, uh, yeah. we have a fake lifestyle to uphold on social media that yeah um, isn't sustainable. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. The fact that everything's so much more public, we don't even we <laughs> we want to avoid ever screwing up in public. That's like the ultimate fear, you know. What's the what's the like dream that every kid has is they have to do a presentation in class and they're up there in their underwear in front of everyone. And it's just like the, the reoccurring dream, the embarrassment of in public is the ultimate fear. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I, I, a little bit of that is good. I mean, yeah, yeah. It keeps us from doing stupid stuff. Yeah. Completely idiotic (laughs) things. Um, but you just got to get over that hump. I mean, obviously, like something like this podcast, especially this episode, um, you got to put yourself out there a little bit. I mean, everyone's got to be a little cringe. You'll never get anywhere if you're not just a little bit cringe. Well, I cringe at texts I sent last week. So <laughs> I, I'm cringing all the time at myself. And you just, like I said, you just got to get over it. I mean, the biggest thing that you, the biggest thing is regret. And I would rather regret that I did something than regret that I didn't do it. Like, oh, I wish I'd done that. Well, uh, if I say I wish I didn't do it, well, that's that regret scares me or is not as scary as regretting that I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. final verdict on Gen Z quitters or quiet quitters. <laughs> <laughs> Full circle. Um, <laughs> I, I'm with it. I, I did something similar. Um, that's, I guess, slightly biased. I definitely think that it's good for the per- the worker. Uh, companies are going to have to adjust if they want to keep, because it's a lot cheaper to keep somebody uh, long-term. Yeah. And a big problem with that is 
that they're gonna have to fix is the salary. A sa- somebody yeah. somebody comes in if I get promoted at my job, um, if I get promoted, they're gonna bump me up a little bit of money. Well, they're gonna bring somebody else outside person in uh, to come in, and they're gonna make more than me because they mm-hmm. were outside coming in. Yep they they already have me. They have the leverage, and so I think companies are gonna have to ditch the leverage and just treat people. I mean, the, the real truth is if you want to, you should be giving massive raises whenever every, your raises should be increasing for every year a person's been there. The percent raise, if you want to keep people, that's how you incentivize them. You pay them so much that it would be terrible if they lost the job. <laughs> and it, like, that's a backside. I mean, that's that's a negative for the person in a way is they become too reliant on the salary. But but you, if you're a company that wants to keep people, you pay them so much that they can't get a better job anywhere else. And unfortunately, I mean, fortunately and unfortunately, the market structure sort of dictates what salaries are being paid. And so they uh, obviously companies will try to match or that'll just level up the salary. But I think I don't think uh, it, who's trying this experiment, who's who's saying, OK, well, You've been here five years. Let's give you a fifty percent raise this year uh, instead of uh, the normal ten percent. Yeah, yeah d- inflation plus plus three oh. <laughs> percent. Um, I will leave. Uh, are you? Do you have a final verdict on it, or was that your final verdict? Oh yeah, my final verdict is just that I don't blame the people. Uh, hop from job to job. Next, like get. Uh, make your money while you can. But also, I would also leave this with this. Take more risks outside of just uh, doing absolutely nothing in your job day to day. Maybe leave and start a company or leave and start something on the side. Uh, or stay yeah, and start my, something on the side. Yeah, yeah. Stay, or stay and start something on the side. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So my final quote for this, and we're going to have to clip this definitely, but... Um, <laughs> Companies should be training people to leave their company, but treating them well enough that they want to stay. So, mm-hmm. um, which paying you know paying them is part of wanting keeping them they're wanting them to stay or yeah. them wanting to stay. So yeah, in the end, um, what <laughs> jobs to make money? Like uh, that's it's that's the bottom line is <laughs> pay people more and people will stay. But uh, any other hot takes or anything? I mean, I know we jumped all over the place for today's episode, but um, yeah, I think I don't. I don't really have any today. I don't think. Um, let's see. My hot take is that gas stoves will become more popular because people <laughs> because want it's to, a cultural issue. Yeah, <laughs> it's a cultural issue, and yeah, it's. <laughs> you great. This is this is a PR stunt by the gas stove manufacturers, all all ginned up by them. ONG is ONG is running commercials now for gas stoves. <laughs> um, well, if you don't have anything else, uh, like like I said earlier in the podcast, I appreciate all the support we've been getting. Um, it's crazy um, the amount of love on my stupid takes we get. So. <laughs> But uh, this has been Simply Technical. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll catch you next time. See ya.